Nosy Nancy's is a true crime podcast that deals with real life situations. If you are sensitive to any of the trigger words, this is not the podcast for you. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Aliqua. And I'm Jasmine. And welcome to Nosy Nancy's episode one. Part two. We did it. We did it. The final part of the first episode. I'd like to thank the Ford car company for making the back seat big enough for my parents to conceive me in. (laughs) Were you conceived in a Ford? (laughs) No, I don't know. I don't fuck. I don't ask those questions. I don't want to know. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I just got here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was made in a tube. That's me. <laughs> I was pretty impressed by all the feedback that we had. I know. We got some good feedback. It was we all did. pretty positive. It was all kind of positive. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it was. It was good. It was. It was uh, refreshing for sure, but yeah. there's a lot of pressure now that we have to be funny because they thought we were hilarious. I know, and I'm like, God damn, I, <laughs> I hope I can keep it up. <laughs> I'm dry as a fucking bone. <laughs> I'll tell you what, our audience and my parents will have a lot in common because they're <laughs> all going to be disappointed. <laughs> um, I did want to have a shout out to my friend uh, Ezekiel Scott the guy who um, wrote and performed the intro song. That's a hot name for what I'm sure is a hot guy. Yeah, well, actually he's probably one of the funniest people I know. And he's Oh really? Funny. Yeah he's hilarious. Um, but he makes Love these it. really cool um, like wood earrings and glasses so I don't know if he has an Etsy site, but Zeke, if you're listening, like you can send that over to me and I will plug that in our next episode. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Cool guy. We'll plug it. I want to check it out because I really like that song. I'm going to check out more of his stuff. I don't know if he has. I know he has more songs like on his Facebook and videos and stuff. So, but I don't know if it's public. But he's, yeah, but you, you could, you can, I'm sure he'll accept your request, your friend. Well, request. yeah, Zeke, I'll be sending you a request. So be, be polite and accept me, please. <laughs> yeah, please. I'm, I'm begging for your attention. Oh, please. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I just want to listen to, to your other songs. I want to be friends. Just be my friend. Okay. Speaking of friends, um, how was your week? Uh, it was pretty good. Um, I do have an update on the mailman. I don't think that he's going to be a recurring character for the, for the podcast. I think actually that, uh, the United States Postal Service is, appears to be done with him. From what I understand, he keeps calling in sick. 
Mm -hmm. And um, Friday, I had asked the dude who came in what had happened to him. And he's like, well, he keeps calling in, but also he's just kind of slow. And I'm like, oh, yeah, me too. And he's like, well, no, I mean, he's slow on the... (laughs) On the road, and I'm like, okie dokie. <laughs> All right. So, well, but he's probably tired from like kidnapping all those all those girls that he finds on his roots. I'm honestly that- assuming he's calling in. He's calling in from prison, maybe every day, being like, maybe. "Yeah, sorry, can't, still can't make it. <laughs> Don't worry about it." Could you imagine the commissary needed for for you to call in every day from prison? I know it's expensive. Well, he can afford a lot of candy, so maybe he's <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's like stacking up cash somewhere. It's expensive to be a criminal, so don't do it. It's not worth the cost. That's right. How was your week? Um. Okay. So you remember how, like, for the past. I don't know, month, I've been, like, swearing. I swore off of men. I was like, I'm yes. done with men. Yes. Yeah. Well, I went on a date. <laughs> Get out of here, really? Who is? Yeah, I went, what, basically the Prince of Persia. Oh, my God. I know. No, I'm, I'm talking, like, tall, dark, handsome, super athletic. Um, I, and I, like, I met him on a site for, you know, the guys who love the bigger ladies. So, like. Nice. He, yeah, he knew what kind of body karate I got going on, you know? Right. So <clears throat> we're doing good. Like, we're like having fun. We're talking. And like midway through, he just casually mentions, like, maybe we should go hiking sometime. And I remember stopping and looking at him like, are you crazy? I hiking? I know. I looked him dead in his eyes and I said, listen. The only way I'm climbing up a mountain is that there's like four or five half naked GQ models waiting at the top with grapes in hand, ready to feed me when I'm I make joking. it up there. I'm not doing that unless there's there's like some major reward. You know, what if I mean? someone asked me to go on a hike on a first date, I they would get tased because <laughs> I'm <laughs> trying to fucking live that type of life. Well, I just don't understand why all these tall guys, tall athletic men go for for me. I mean, they walk five fucking minutes and they've already gone 13 miles. I walk for five minutes and I've gone three fucking feet. You how tell tall are you? Five foot one. And how five tall is he? Oh, six, six something. But look, Dude. you... You should be able to look at my body and know that I was built for feed and not for speed, baby. That's right. I cannot do it. It's very strange. It must be like a fetish thing, you know? Oh, my God. That's what. What if he just wants to see you, like, trying to keep up? (laughs) (laughs) He's getting off on you trying to keep up with him. Listen. You don't have to make me walk. Okay. I suffer every day of my life. Just stick around. I promise you'll see me suffering. It's only downhill from here, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I go to 
sleep and I fucking wake up with a crook in my neck. Like my neck is broken because I slept on it weird. I'm suffering enough. Thank yeah. you. I don't know. We might see each other again. Oh, you got a second date planned. Yeah, but maybe, I don't know. I haven't decided because he is a Sagittarius. I don't know what that means, but I think I don't know either. I think it's reason enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on part one, uh, my voice was shit, but now it's better. So that's good. You sound a lot better. I do. You do. Is my voice. You sound like, like you're feeling better. I mean, in part one, you had that like hot kind of like Lindsay Lohan voice. Yeah. Like smoker's on. cough. Yeah. Like I, I had been inhaling asbestos for 20 years. Well, hey. Well, I don't want to talk about my. Past. Anyways, let's uh, let's dive into this, huh? All right, sounds good. I'm ready. I've got my scuba gear on. Okay. On February seventeenth, nineteen ninety-seven, twenty-year-old Patrick McNeil was out with his friends at the Dapper Dog Bar in Manhattan. At some point in the night, Patrick was observed throwing up in the bathroom shortly before he was seen leaving the bar by himself. So just like um just like the guys on Rainy Street, he, right. he went to a bar in Manhattan, started throwing up, and then ended up being separated from his friends and leaving the bar by himself. Did his friends say like any reason or do we know? Like where where he went? Um, so his friends said he was gonna go, I believe catch a train um but that is not at all what had happened okay um so once outside another person witnessed mcneil stumbling around and leaning on parked cars for support um he was acting kind of like discombobulated not unlike someone who was who was on a type of debilitating narcotic drug damn yeah the same witness claimed there was a double parked van with a man and a woman inside that began to follow Patrick as he stumbled south on 2nd Avenue from 92nd Street. I- That's gross. I hate the I hate the idea that people are just following around. I mean, I, I would like to think that maybe it's to offer them like help, like a ride, yes. but I don't think so. Well, I, I wouldn't like it. When I was doing this research, I was like, why didn't the person, like, call 911? But then I realized they didn't have cell phones back in 1997. That's right. You can't really do very much. But there was probably pay phones back then. I don't know. Oh. Patrick was last seen turning left onto 90th Street towards the East River with that same van still following him. Oh. On... April 17th, 1997, the body of Patrick McNeil was found floating face up in the East River in the Bay Ridge section of Brooklyn at the Owl's Head Water Pollution Control Plant at the 69th Street Pier on Shore Road. Found face up. Yeah, found face up, which is bizarre if he drowned. Also, and this could just be a coincidence, but Raid Hamad's car was found on 
Lakeshore Boulevard. Yeah. And Cliff Axel went to Shoreline Church. <laughs> Man. We're basically detectives. So. I mean, we're just hitting every fucking clue. Listen, listen like, y'all. We're just regular girls. <laughs> we put our we put our bra on one boob at a time, just like everybody else. You know? We're not I know. we're nothing special. We just we're not geniuses, but uh, this has us feeling like fucking Steve because we're fa- finding all the clues. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, all jokes aside, that that is kind of a weird coincidence for sure. I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of coincidences happening. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go over some stuff later, but so that was over 12 miles away from where he was last seen in Manhattan. So he, and I believe this was upstream. He was way far away from where he should have been. You know, if he had just fallen into the East River. And the current carried him. Well, the current, well, I'm not entirely sure which way that the current um, goes goes on the East River. But I'm, I do, I think they mentioned that, that he was upstream. Okay. That's weird. Uh, yeah, it's very weird. Patrick was found in only his jeans, underwear, and socks, which is bizarre for February in New York City. Right. His blood alcohol concentration <clears throat> was a 0.16. Human bodies naturally produce alcohol after death as a part of decomposition. If he had been in the water for 50 days, his BAC, that's blood alcohol concentration, should have increased by 0.04 due to the postmortem alcohol production. So, so he was like, that's pretty low for someone who was supposed is to be throwing up and stumbling around. And well, then, low, yeah. Well, it's low for somebody who was supposed to be in the water for 50 days. Because yeah. the longer that somebody decomposes... The, the more alcohol higher. gets released. Exactly. exactly. So does the alcohol, like, okay, so if he passed away intoxicated, or as intoxicated as it seemed that he was, does the alcohol stay where it's at and then get higher? Or does yes. it kind of, okay. I think from what I, from what I gathered, yes. I think it's, I think it's supposed to get, it's supposed <clears throat> to stay where it is and then it gets higher due to. So, yeah, that's a good question. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure, like I said, we're not geniuses, but I'm pretty sure that's what that means. Okay. Patrick was recovered on his back, which is extremely rare for drowning cases, especially one of an individual with his height and weight. Most drowning victims are found face down. Exceptions occur when a victim is obese uh, I know what direction I'll be found. <laughs> Listen, we won't be found in the water because or drowned because our boobies just make us float. Oh, that's true. We're buoyant. We're buoyant. Buoyant lifesavers. Save the tatas. Yes. <laughs> or if the body of water has a raging current that is capable of flipping the body onto its back. East River is not that kind of river, though. We're talking like 
Colorado, like White River rafting kind of shit. Okay. Examination of yeah. Examination of Patrick's autopsy report disclosed additional problems with body position. There was no signs of lividity. Basically, it's a postmortem dis- discoloration of the body due to blood pulling on Patrick's back, which is where it should have been if he had drowned and then his body was turned onto his back. So lividity happens <clears throat> within 30 minutes, your blood starts to pull, right? And then the fixed lividity happens like eight hours. That's when it can't, it can't move, right? Yeah, exactly. If he had been, let's say he drowned within eight hours, you know, it, there should have been blood pulling somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah, and exactly. I, I don't think there's blood pulling anywhere. Um, in the autopsy report, the medical examiner states circumferentially around the neck, there is a pattern which consists of numerous vertical lines evenly spaced around his neck and a pattern as if to suggest some type of binding. Yeah, that doesn't uh, usually happen when you're drowning. (laughs) (laughs) No, No, not really. Not usually. Autopsy photos clearly show ligature marks around Patrick's neck as if he were bound in some way. Autopsy photos also revealed there were fly eggs in the pubic hairs of Patrick's groin area and that these eggs were in an arrested state of development. I love that show. (laughs) Me too. Buster's my favorite. (laughs) The fly eggs did land on him in a water and he had pants on. So could the flies even penetrate the pants or no? Not if they were in water. So the thing about flies is that they need to be in a warm environment in order to, to procreate. And when he went missing, that was in February and he, um, in in New York, it's like below forty degrees, right? In right. Cold water. If he had been in the water, like they say, the likelihood of flies laying eggs on his on his body at any point in February in New York City outside is pretty unlikely. Patrick had to have been dead indoors and in an environment warm enough for flies to survive during the New York City winter and for a sufficient period of time for the flies to lay their eggs on his body. Furthermore, the suspended stage of development in the fly eggs does suggest that Patrick's body was moved from a suitable environment and placed into another that eventually killed the eggs. So it was like a shock to the to the system, basically, to the bait, to the eggs. Um, along with the fly eggs and ligature marks, there was also severe blackening of Patrick's head and upper torso. The original medical examiner concluded this to be from exposure to the elements and adva- and and advanced decomposition. It's now believed that the black markings is actually charred skin and that Patrick had suffered burns from his head to his waist. 
Well, I'm not a fucking, uh, I don't work for the police department or anything, but I think that uh, exposure and decomposition and charring of the skin due to burning are probably entirely different things. Yeah, you would think that it'd be really hard to be on fire if you're in water. Yeah, uh, I think that that's one good way to put fire out. Yeah actually. Um, It has also been concluded that because Patrick's back was protected from these injuries and the ligature marks around his neck, Patrick McNeil was most likely bound around his neck to a chair and was tortured before being dumped into the East River. Oh my god. Yeah, the, the amount of slippage on his body did not coincide with somebody who had been decomposing in water for 50 days basically yeah because i would think that he would be like there probably wouldn't be much skin left no not after 50 days i mean you probably wouldn't even i mean would your skeleton still even be stuck together no i I mean it's it's really hard like bodies i mean we we kind of went over it last time but like the amount of decomposition your body goes through is is basically like sped up in water because of right. all the bacteria. So there's no way that his body, if his body had been in water for 50 days, I don't think you could even determine what was charring and what was and what wasn't. You know yeah. what I mean? It would. So- it would it would have to look, it would probably look pretty much the same. He most recently, well, he most likely was, had been recently dumped. Yeah. So they, so what, so what happened was, um, (laughs) so what happened was detective Gannon and detective Anthony Duarte re-examined the case after, after like learning that the New York police department, decided that this was a drowning so they reopened the case or they they looked on their own time they looked in they looked into it they had their own medical examiner re reevaluate what the original um autopsy report had said and this is when they kind of found all these this is when they found the fly eggs because the original coroner or the person who did the autopsy didn't mention the fly eggs even though they did take pictures of it so there was what the fuck yeah there was photographic evidence of the fly eggs but it was never mentioned in the report what the Um, hell are they doing over there beats the fuck out of me they're probably talking to the people in austin the police department they're all having a party man Evidently, they uh, they're all on the same fucking wavelength. That's yeah. ridiculous. And there was a partial license plate number that the witness had got from the van that was following Patrick McNeil before he, you know, before he ended up in the river. And the the police chief at the time didn't want to spend the money that they would have to in order to put that license plate into the system to find a match. Are you serious? Are you serious? That's so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. 
But it makes me wonder, like, why I don't know very much about anything, really, if we're going to be honest with each other. <laughs> but, like, but, like, couldn't you go back and put the license plate into the system now? Or do you think it's too late? I mean, I mean wouldn't it bring up, like, anybody associated with those plates past and present? I mean, you would think so. I don't know what it's like in New York, but in Texas, I mean, like, there's a paper trail, you know? You you put your license plate in, and I think it comes up with a VIN number of the car, and then you could trace the VIN number, I think, back, but I don't know, because this could be before everything went digital. Yeah. Mm, I think it's suspicious. It is. It's very suspicious. So, anyways, despite all of the, this evidence... Patrick McNeil's death is still classified as undetermined, as an undetermined drowning. That really pets my fucking peeves because the amount of fucking undetermined drownings that are just popping up with all this uh, evidence that there's something else fucking going on. In the very least, in the very least it should show how little the police do when it comes to investigations. It's it's really terrifying because like you're someone's attacking you, scratch them, you know, get your D get their DNA under your nails, you know, bite them, get your, your teeth marks on them, get your DNA on them, you know, whatever you have to do. Well, fuck, are they even going to look at it? Well, seems like they fucking won't. Not not if you get not if you get killed in Austin or New York, apparently. That's ridiculous. So on New Year's Eve in nineteen ninety seven, twenty two year old Lawrence Andrews went missing after bringing in the New Year's at the Times Square in New York City. Uh forty three days later, his body was found in the East River 500 feet east of the 69th Street Pier at Owl's Head Water Pollution Protection Plant on February 12th, 1998. So, so basically the same places. Yep. Same places. Um, almost the same time. And missing and, for almost the same amount of time. Correct. Yeah, he was found. Larry was found in February and that's when Patrick went missing was in February but Larry was missing for what 43 days and Patrick was missing for 50 days pretty pretty strange right they were found in the same spot as close as you can when you're when you're in a landscape that's moving basically right um, the police theorized that Andrews went into the Hudson River and the tide carried him to Brooklyn. Private investigator Gil Alba, a retired detective working for the Andrews family at the time, said it was unclear whether Larry drowned in the Hudson or in the East River. There's not a lot of information. They didn't release the um, details of Larry Andrews' autopsy. I couldn't find anything really on it other than um, 
the place he was found and what time. I do know that he went to uh, Times Square with his sister and a bunch of their friends and the same MO. He went to a bar. He got separated from the group. Uh, and also, just to let you know, Larry Andrews is six foot four. He was six foot four and 190 pounds. So okay. he's a fucking bear. Yeah, he's a fucking, he's a beast. He's a big boy. Yeah, who's going to mess with him? I wouldn't mess with him. Right. No, not me either. Um, and he stumbled off, basically. Somebody, a witness did say that he was, he was headed towards the train, train station. He was like taking off his, his jacket and his shirt. And this is February. And this is February. Yeah. So he was like acting like he was like overheating, basically. Um, the cause of death is drowning and the manner of death is still under investigation. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> it's very, there's a lot of similarities between Larry Andrews and um, and Patrick McNeil. Well, yeah. I wonder what their what their next steps are. Like, what are they doing to investigate to to investigate this further? Well, I mean, that's that's it is it's kind of in Larry Andrews. The whole reason why he's even being mentioned is because his mother pushed to get some kind of answers. They hired a PI. Um, they she was talking to news reporters. She was she's doing what the families of the men in Austin are doing right now. Um, but the problem is, is that I think because it was so long ago in 1998, I think that it's just been kind of a cold case now, you know? Right. Yeah. But hopefully this is why we're doing this podcast because hopefully if we get more um, attention drawn to not only the men in Austin, but also the past cases around the country, like maybe we can get some sort of, you know, closure for these families, even if they're not, even if it does turn out that they're not related, even if you think that they're not related, like something needs to happen. Like somebody needs to reinvestigate this. The ball's being dropped too, way too fucking often. Yeah. And the fa- like, and that's, what's so important about the, the families of, the people being found speaking out because like, that's not what my brother, my son, my, you know, that's not what they would have, would have been out there. They're out of character. Yeah. Yeah. Out of character. Jason, John, his mother, she's been a really big advocate. Um, She's sweetie pie. Yeah. uh, Martin Gutierrez, his brother, he's been on a lot of podcasts recently. He's, he's been talking to a lot of local news stations about Martin and how and and what his demeanor was like. I don't want to go too much into it because they're really uh, they're the ones pushing to have safety around around the lake. You know, yeah. get some fucking lights out there, get some cameras out there, and people are arguing about. You know, what about the birds or whatever? I'm all for the damn birds, but I mean, people are, are dying. The birds? There's some fucking people upset that the lights are going to bother the birds and, and the what wildlife birds? and the wildlife the, around the lake. The pigeons? And that's I don't, birds. I got no fucking clue what birds are 
gonna be upset <laughs> but well, i mean they can take it up to the fucking city of austin too. yeah they can argue their own part we don't <laughs> yeah. have to we don't have to but there's like activists who are saying you know that it's going to disturb the wildlife yeah it might but i mean there's people who are dying even if it is even if it is like even if nothing's going on and these men are actually just like falling into the water whatever Doubtful. I mean, yeah. wouldn't you want some lights out there so that they can maybe see where the water is or something? Uh, like, what's the big fucking deal? The animals yes. are going to be upset? Uh, like, they got no problem fucking fucking with you singing at all hours of the early morning and shit. Do you know how many times I've been shit on by a bird? I'm not even kidding. <laughs> how many times? Like, at least three, which is a lot if you think about it. I've only had it happen twice. Okay, the first one time is enough. You know, one time is enough. After after twice, you're thinking, okay, like they obviously have something against me. Like there's some kind of bird coalition that's <laughs> just shitting on my life on purpose. That's how I. <laughs> I don't need. I don't need you to do that, birds. God does it already. <laughs> on a daily basis yeah <laughs> so speaking of the guys in austin do you have do you have somebody for me from austin i do let's uh i'm gonna do two because i actually um could not find a whole lot on my second guy so we'll dive into Cole Christensen, who was the first identified body found <clears throat> in uh, 2012. Cole Christensen, uh, he was not from Austin. He was actually visiting um, his, he originally is from Anchorage, Alaska. Okay. And he came to Austin to attend ACL. Um, the dates are a little skewed but uh it's believed that cole passed away october 13th of 2012 and then he was found october 16th october 13th that's your birthday i know i know uh not the best gift to, to get you know who died on my birthday who robin williams Shut up! Oh my god! This yeah. podcast is over. <laughs> Robin Williams died on my 30th birthday. And my Are cousin, you serious? I'm serious. And my cousin Evan, who's also hilarious, he texted me and he goes, he goes, happy birthday. Way to go. You killed, <laughs> <laughs> you killed Robin Williams. And I just, I just cried for hours so thanks a lot oh Evan. my god happy birthday to me yeah oh shit I know. well uh that yeah, was that like the worst fucking birthday ever yeah it was because it was because i had recently uh was recently single i was turning 30 i had to get my glasses and i pulled my back and then robin williams died so, yeah, it was, oh it was not God. the best of birthdays. <laughs> I'm hoping 40 is better, but well. I hope so. I yeah. hope so. Jesus. 
I know. If another comedian <laughs> dies on my birthday, I'm just going to end it all. I'm just going to be like, <laughs> I don't need to be here anymore. <laughs> just fucking forget it. I'm out. Yeah. I'm a curse on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Cole, at the time of his death. Oh, okay. Well, let me tell you about it. He... <laughs> Um, he so he was attending ACL in Zilker Park where it happens. Uh, he was found, I think it was October 16th. He was found, he was found directly behind the Austin City Music Hall by an employee. He was laying in Shoal Creek. Um, at the time of his death, an APD spokesperson said that the death was ruled not suspicious and that they weren't going to be investigating any further. But during that same uh, time period of interviewing, the chief administrative officer of the Travis County Medical Examiner said that the case, the cause of death is still unknown because they're still awaiting results from toxicology, which would take six to eight eight weeks. Okay, wait. You have one person that says the cause of death is unknown, and then you have another person that says, but there's, there's no need to investigate. Uh, yeah. There is a need to investigate if you have you don't know how somebody died. Right. Yeah. And the medical examiner is the one who's going to be doing your autopsies and shit like that. So APD pretty much was like, yeah, uh, it doesn't look like any sort of homicide. So we're done. And if anybody doesn't know, Shoal Creek feeds into Lady Bird Lake. Yeah, it ends at Lady Bird Lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it starts way up north. In fact, me and Jasmine, we were actually living together at this time in 20. No, were we? No, I think so. No, Maybe. Not, were we? No, not, no. But in 2010, when the first bodies, when the first body was, the first unidentified body was found, we were living together. But we used to live not far from Shoal Creek off of Bullard. Yeah. Um, so Cole was described in his obituary as a daredevil and he actually spent, get this, get this, just get a load of this. Hot off the press. Hot off the presses. He actually spent a lot of his time with his family and friends at Big Lake in Alaska. They had a cat, a cat, a cabin. They had a cabin there. (laughs) They had a cabin at Big Lake. He loved everything to do with water sports. So he he was, he knew, he knew how to swim. He was um, really into wakeboarding and jet skiing and even taught himself how to do backflips off of a wakeboard and with a jet ski. So I looked this up and when you're learning how to do a backflip with a, a jet ski, you will under rotate the flip Mm. quite a few times until you've landed. So he's also had experience of, of knowing how to fall into water, of knowing how to fall into water and having a piece of machinery, like come down on top of you, on top of him. Yeah. No way did this guy fucking just fucking fall into Shoal Creek and drown. There's no way. If this guy, knows how to fall into a body of water without hurting himself and with a huge ass piece of machinery he can fall 
from fucking the banks of of Shoal Creek. Big Lake is like eighty nine feet deep. So it's I mean it's it's real deep. Yeah, it's real deep. Um. So also Shoal Creek's not very wide either. It's not. <clears throat> I mean, it's a creek. It's not a river. It's not wide. You you can you can go down and you can see Shoal Creek and especially by um, Natchez is where he his body was found. Yeah, it's. I think it's even shallower there than it is upstream, closer to like, you know, past downtown Austin. Like it, it seems in the picture that I have of from um, Google Earth, like depending Mm -hmm. on what time of year, it it you can actually see the bottom of the creek. Yeah, because you can get down in there and like walk the. Like, there's always water flowing through Shoal Creek, but yeah. it, it's so shallow sometimes that it's even, like, under the limestone or whatever whatever right. is down there. But it does, like, pull up in certain areas, but it's a very shallow. So, um, his obituary also mentioned that he was really big into hockey and that he even was known to have a few beers actually before hitting the ice and playing hockey. So he also knew how to handle his body and uh, handle being exerted yeah. when he was drinking. Yeah. Yeah, this, this seems like a guy who, you know, understood his body's capability. He understood his limits. I don't think that he would just fall into a, 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 a slow moving creek and, and drown. Yeah. And that's what um, a friend of his actually had posted a video, uh, like a montage of them skiing together. Yeah. And in the comment section of that video, someone had asked like, what happened to your friend? And he said that he went to Austin to attend ACL and he fell in the river walking home. No, so that's, bullshit. that's what the people are being told is like, oh, yeah, they're just falling in. When all this stuff happened, that was in 2010. And I know I was living with you in 2010. Um, yeah. And I don't remember any of this being being talked about on the news. Well, it just it just kind of got glossed over, I think, it, because the unidentified bodies All I can find on them at all is just, you know, please need help identifying this, this person. And it's the only article it's like two sentences long and it's just kind of like a one and done news story. And then it's never followed up with. Yeah, no. And they've, they are still unidentified to this day. Yeah. I mean, um, just nobody, nobody knows because how do you even get that information? Like how long do they look for, for people who possibly can identify? Can't you use the teeth? Are the teeth not there? I mean, yeah, I don't know. We tried looking up some, some, uh, to try to find some leads on maybe some missing people that the identified bodies could be. Yeah. But the website that we had searched for some reason, don't know why, not pointing any fingers, but if you yeah. search for just like unidentified male in the database that we searched and you selected Austin, 
there was nothing. But if you nothing. unselected Austin, there were like hundreds of people. So yeah, it was bizarre. Again, not trying to say anything, but uh But also somebody pointed out to me, I don't remember who, but they were like, You have to file a missing a person to have a missing person's report. That's true. That's true. So there could be people who are who have been missing in the Austin area, but they're just not nobody has come forward and been like, Hey, my friend has been missing for twenty years or twelve years or ever how long it's been. But I mean, you would even think that you would have one male from. I know that was weird. It was like there was nothing, nothing. There was absolutely nothing. But if you if you unselect Austin, they've got people from back in 1943 who went missing. Just bizarre. Next three weeks. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> you're safe because you're way out the fucking East Texas. But I am a sitting duck over here. We don't mean any defamation or any sort of uh, anything gets APD. Yeah. That's- and my real name is not Aliqua, it's Jezebel. I'm trying to make it sound like my name. <laughs> it's called deflection. <laughs> and, and it's a form of manipulation. <laughs> well, all right. So we'll get into uh Aaron Rublik. He was found uh October 13th of 2014. So what? nearly two years to the day That's so that Cole similar. Christensen. Yeah. That's I know. Similar. To Patrick McNeil and Larry Andrews. And Larry Andrews. Oh my God. There's not a whole lot of information about him. He was discovered by two fishermen floating in Lady Bird Lake at 2.30 p.m. on a Saturday. The night before, he had went downtown with friends and hailed an Uber to get home. His address was listed as uh, being on Rainy Street. So he actually lived on Rainy Street. So he no. knew the area. No. Uh, yeah. So he was pro- so he was downtown, like probably 6th Street. Most likely, I would think I would think probably bar hopping on 6th Street or something. And then hailed um, an Uber. Hailed an Uber to get home. But the Uber didn't take him home. The Uber took him to the Holiday Inn where wow. he was dropped off about 2.30 in the morning. Is this the Holiday Inn on the northbound side of, or southbound side of 35 by the lake? Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's the, the Town Lake Holiday Inn. And the thing is, is that, <laughs> this is embarrassing, but I really thought that I had the absolute juice on <laughs> this fucking Holiday Inn. Like, I... I had I had so many notes on all this shit that's going on at this Holiday Inn that I was going to explain to everybody, but it turns out that I was looking at the wrong location, so <laughs> so I got nothing. <laughs> I literally I got... just get out my water. I'm not even. <laughs> I've got fucking. I've got fucking nothing. But this Holiday Inn, like, evidently there's not as much going on as the one that I was looking at. But this keeps popping up. This is another coincidence that just keeps popping up. Like, these men are either going to the Holiday Inn, they're last seen 
near the Holiday Inn or they're being found next to the Holiday Inn. That's mm. weird. Yeah. Um, an, another similarity is that uh, some of the bars that they're going to, the Lester Pearl, Martin Gutierrez, that's one of the bars that he had visited. Um, yeah. Is owned by the same lady who owns the Container Bar and the Clive Bar, which were both bars that Kristen Pugh had gone to before he had disappeared. Oh shit. Yeah. She, I, I looked into it a little bit when we first started this and she did, she originally opened luster Pearl on rainy street, I think like in 2009 or 10 and it was torn down because um, they were going to throw up some um, residential like housing and then she reopened it and then when she reopened Lester Pearl she had opened the container bar like a couple bars down from from Lester as well so she's basically monopolizing Rainy Street right so is it that or this lady just owns a bunch of bars you know it's just hard to tell know. is it because I mean, there- I don't want to go into too much with Martin Gutierrez. He he started exhibiting signs of of being drugged near um, uh, Lester Pearl. And then he was last seen alive walking down the trails by the Hilton or by the Holiday Inn. And then his body was recovered, I believe, right there off of by the 35 bridge. So... Yeah, I think it was like, it was, I think it might have been right next to the, well, not right next to, but pretty close. Pretty to close the to the Holiday Inn. Yeah, so he, especially with Martin Gutierrez's case, there's a lot of similarities there for sure. Yeah, yeah. And and even even with Mr. H, because Mr. H, his his body was found at, um, at Festival Beach, which is just south or just east of the I-35 bridge. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just the same shit keeps popping up. So I think that that's why everybody's kind of like, well, are people, are people involved in these places? And I think that that's what's leading to such widespread speculation of what's going on, which if there are smiley face killer gang members in Austin, maybe they could be connected to these places. I mean, let's take away, let's just take away the smiley face gang theory for a second. Like, even without the spray-painted paint, smiley faces, the fact that there's so many coincidences within these cases alone, like, between Cole Christensen being found in Shoal Creek, and then, like, yeah. almost the day, two years later, you find Aaron Rublick. Like, that's that's just crazy to me. It's just, it's all so connected. And Patrick McNeil and Larry Andrews, that's insane amount of, of coincidences there as well. The way exactly. that all these, and then that ties it all together. All these men are at a bar or out at a festival with their friends or their family. They get separated and then they end up missing and then found in the lake in a body of water. Yeah. When you start putting in spray painted smiley faces and, and the, and the, the sayings and stuff, then it, then it gets even creepier. Yeah, and I did find uh, some. I did find something spray painted that I I'm saving it for next 
not not next episode, but I'm saving it for the episode that it's for. It's going to okay. be a, a surprise, even to you. Ooh, I like that. I mean, that's, you know, terrible, but also <laughs> exciting. <laughs> um, well, so I think this concludes our episode one, part two. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you loved it. Yeah, I am so flattered and just humbled by the support we've gotten from just the first part of this of the episode. And I just want to thank you guys again for for supporting us and, and helping these cases come to light um, because they they really do need to be investigated further. Yeah, you guys have been really amazing and so supportive and we really appreciate you. Yeah. And I'm sure that I'm sure that the families appreciate whoever's willing to listen to these and take time to get the word spread. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow us and support us more, we have an Instagram. It's Nosy Nancy. And if you would like to join our Facebook group. It's Nosy Nancy's podcast. You have to send a request. It's exclusive. It is. It's exclusively 10 people. Um, We are wanting to do listener stories still. So if you have a story uh, that of something weird that's happened to you or a friend or you've heard of a story um, in downtown Austin or even even any part of Austin or the surrounding areas of Austin, we'd love to hear from you. So if you could email us at nosynancys at gmail.com, we would love that. And we would love to feature your story on an episode. We definitely, definitely want to read all the hot goss you have about your downtown experiences. Yes. So hopefully we'll see you next time. All right. Stay tuned. Ciao. Say la vie, man.